Everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk number 245. Uh, those of you who uh, like to join us live, I can see, are doing so in droves. The live chat room, sonicstate.com forward slash live, you can see that. Oh, well, you could have seen it, but now there it is, sonicstate.com forward slash live. Right there, um, we've got a live video stream and a chat room that... Uh, <coughs> That seems to be keeping everybody entertained. We thoroughly recommend that you join it. And of course, now I'm recording this stream and I put it up to, on YouTube for the first time last week and it seems to go down really well. My only problem is, is obviously I have to play excerpts from other people's videos and music, which might result in us being, um, well, just, you know, banned from YouTube. So that's why it makes me nervous. But I can't start a new YouTube account and get that whole hour of video up there without having at first uploaded 100 videos and passing some kind of test and tasks. So anyway, I will stop warbling, and now I can join our guests who have uh, very kindly given up their, their free time for... They do this for the love of, uh, love, the, love of the chat. So uh, I want to say hello, first of all. We'll go to uh, Dave Spears, G4 Software, who's there on the line. How you doing, Dave? I'm all right, thank you. Good. Yeah. You're, you're, you actually look, you're looking less uh, pained because I know you've had trouble with your back and stuff. You look, you look kind of a bit more on form. And the light that is usually sticking in the top of the screen has just been cropped. So you look, no, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's better the other way. That's it. There you go. It so, gives me that kind of halo look. It does. It does a give you a saintly halo. look. A saintly look. So how are you anyway? Uh, all right. Super busy, super duper busy, might, might, might be something happening tomorrow. Um, but that's about as much as I'm giving away. Okay, all right. Well, uh, but yeah, yeah, super busy and uh, yes. Things are great. Well, we like I say, we had, uh, we've had we had trouble with the broadband here. It all got a bit uh, bonkers. Um, the broadband router went down. There's been problems with the live range. I haven't been able to upload any videos for an awfully long time and because uh, the, the connection keeps breaking. But this week, um, the router died, and the BT sent us another one. But it arrived at quarter past eight this morning. I said, oh, sorry, you should have been in to get it. I said, but we're a business account. Why would I be in at work at quarter past eight in the morning? I mean, come on. And I went, sorry, well, we've sent it out. We can't do anything now. So I said, well, I have to go and buy a new router. So I went out, bought a new router, came back, set it all up. It was like, oh, yeah, this is working. Great, the ADSL line's not screwed. We can have a show. Hooray. Phone call from reception. Your router's just arrived. <laughs> so, Ah, after I've unboxed the one I've just bought, which means I can't take it back, presumably. Uh, although we'll have a go. Anyway, I'm stop moaning, and I now go <laughs> and and, uh, and say at least it meant that we could get Rich Hilton on the line. How are you doing, Rich? Rich Hilton from Sunny Connecticut, or perhaps not Sunny, but uh, Hiltonius.com. Sound engineer, player, works for Mr. Nile Rogers in his private facility, doing private and uh, fabulous things there. How are you, Rich? Very well, thank you. Very well. I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, anything specifically marvelous? Uh, well, first of all, we haven't seen you since last week, uh, since the, the time when we were all together, have we? So I want to say thanks for coming over. I hope you got home okay. I'm guessing you did because you're at home right now, right? Absolutely. 
slept most of the way, in fact, and uh, had a really, what a great time I had with you guys there. We did have fun, really didn't we? It was a really nice, uh, uh, the thing was, I think the only problem, I, we did, I don't think we got the fullest um, we could out of the restaurant, because I think we weren't as hungry as we should have been and didn't get the full, because none of us had a main course. And then by the time I'd had my start, I was thinking, oh, you know, I could I quite fancy a leg of rat lamb now. But uh, anyway, it was very, very nice. <laughs> and we stayed for a bit longer and everybody enjoyed themselves. So thank you very much for coming, Rich. It was most enjoyable and uh, we've also have uh pj tracy on the line who unfortunately couldn't make it we couldn't quite stretch to flying him over just for this so i want to say hello and welcome to pj tracy uh, pj tracy music.com uh, emmy no pj tracy sound it is now isn't it pj is that right that is right yep so good morning how, how have you been i, I you, you alluded to you had some big news and i was just wondering um what that might be if you could share it with us or maybe you can't Yes, uh, I have recently purchased um, a share in a recording studio. Um, wow! Different to the facility that I'm in currently. Right now, I'm in a kind of a build-out in a warehouse, um, which is three rooms that I share with with a visual artist. And uh, I used to work in a facility in South Minneapolis that was built into an old um, house. And has been there for some years and was renovated a few times. And uh, one of the engineers left. And my writing partner, who happened to own a share in that studio, offered the other half of it to me. And so I purchased and we're renovating currently. And I'll probably move in there and start working out of that facility late this winter. Wow. Congratulations. And is it a... Um, is it? I mean, what made you want to go there? I mean, what's it got on offer that you haven't already got? Uh, currently I don't have the ability to do any, any real serious live tracking. Um, so you got access to a show, uh, a live room, right? We have a live room, um, a couple of booths and two mixing rooms. So it should be, uh, a big step up from where I am currently. Wow. That sounds great. Does that mean you're going to get a, a special swivelly chair that goes up and down with a sort of gas fill that you've always wanted? <laughs> I've just been looking at those online, actually. <laughs> that befits your new studio in the state, and perhaps start smoking cigars. Uh, probably not. Oh, maybe just a I'll fake leave. one. Yeah, there you go. Just hold a cigar. Get my, get my velour suit. Excellent. Well, congratulations, PJ. Thank you very much for sharing with us that. That sounds very exciting. Um, so, uh, and now we also want to say hello to Gaz Williams, who is also there in the chat room, joining us from Bristol. Gaz Williams, uh, our Welsh singer, songwriter, producer, songsurgeon.co.uk. How are you doing, Gaz? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Ah, there Hi. you are. You're over there. <laughs> I'll put you there. There you uh, go. How are you, Gaz? Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Um, loads of exciting things in my world right now, so I'm having a really good time. I'm working on some great projects and lots of exciting stuff coming up soon as well. Some I can't mention, but I'll mention soon. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Excellent, well, I'm very <laughs> glad to hear that. In fact, the phone's always ringing. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and yeah, also, want to say canceled. they've all cancelled. <laughs> no, I just want to also say um, that Gaz has been uh, over again to do another uh, of the iPad shows, which went live last Monday, and uh, seems to have been going down just as well as the last one. So uh, we've got more planned. In fact, Gaz is coming over to do another shoot. We're going to try and do two episodes in one sitting this time. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I, I, I've, I've got to say, Nick, um, chaosolator. 
I'll uh, talk about it tomorrow. We'll look forward but to IK that. Oscillator has had an update, everyone. Anyone who's an iPad user out there, grab it. It's brilliant. You can do some really good stuff with it now. Guys, I wonder, could you just move... Have you got a laptop there? Can you move your... That's it, just down a bit so that we're at the site. That's it, that's perfect. It's perfect. Your framing is, is spot on. Anyway, thank you very much, everybody, for, for joining us. Um, what have we got? The, what's the first week? Let me see. Uh, the first product... Ah, this was, I thought was a cool idea for nailing the baseline. I'm going to play a video right now. Hi, I'm here at Soundradix, and I'd like to show you a new plugin, Surfer EQ. At this point, you're probably asking yourself, why do you need yet another EQ plugin? Most chances are, you probably don't. Surfer EQ is not just another EQ. Surfer EQ tracks the pitch of the vocal or instrument performance and can change the EQ frequency accordingly in real time, making it possible for the first time to naturally control the fundamental frequencies or any harmonics of a track. Now, is that cool or what? Because I remember seeing that there was, uh, when we saw some drum and bass, we got Danny Bird, who's a drum and bass engineer, and he was saying that because there's, there's, you've got things that are so heavily driven from the bass line, and because it's so low, obviously you EQ stuff, and you end up kind of missing, you know, when the note changes, you miss the, the f- frequency that you're trying to EQ in or out of the sound. And it just seems like a, a kind of brilliant idea, no? Or is it, uh, is it not? And here's, oh no, that's not what I wanted to show at all. Um, but this is the news, uh, obviously uh, they're called uh, Sound, Tr- Sound Radix and it's pitch tracking equaliser, original asymmetric at 64-bit internal processing, uh, introductory offer of 129 bucks, valid till the first of the first 2012. I know, Rich. Uh, you also sent me this link, bizarrely, um, at the same time before I'd got sent the notes. So, so this must have caught your attention as well. I mean, for good, for all the right reasons, or maybe the wrong reasons. Perhaps you'd like to enlighten me. Well, for a very good reason, my friend Tim, who uh, I like to build studios with, who is in the chat room right now. Hey, Tim. Had a conversation with me about this very product. I don't know. I think in the summer of 2009, and I don't think he'd started thinking about it just then either. And uh, so he had just told me about this thing and said, hey, check this out. The thing I've been talking about now exists. And uh, now he says he's tried it and it sounded great. So I'm really curious to hear it. So it must be having to do a bunch of stuff because obviously it's got to read the fundamentals. It's got to analyze and EQ at the same time. I mean, I wonder what the CPU's like. I mean, I should download a free demo and check it out. But what would you what would you use this for? I mean, what kind of functions you know does, does it need to perform for you? I try it on vocals. I try it on bass lines. I try it on anything, but I expect it to track things that are monophonic mostly. Yeah, well, you, you guess. I guess it would have trouble with. Uh, with polyphonic stuff, unless it was really clever. And and I have to hear what it does and how that relates to just having a fixed frequency EQ on things. I, I don't know until I've heard it, really. But it, it's really intriguing to me. Tim Glasgow in the chat room, the very Tim Glasgow, said, it's killer on bass or vocals. There you go. It's in writing right there in front of your very eyes. <laughs> Um, I, I can actually push out individual harmonics to change the character of the sound. That's kind of interesting. I wonder if you've got any control over the actual speed or uh, the way that it tracks pitch or whether you can just map that to different uh, parameters. I, 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 interesting. Like an additive synth, he says. But it's an interesting idea. Because I've, I've, I've done some EQ, you know, I've, I've, I've EQ'd automated <laughs> EQ to make it uh were you know to 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 follow certain lines uh tim says no it just tracks um 
there it is just tracking i know like gaz this is something i'm guessing that could be quite useful as well i mean because you're doing you have to do things quickly and uh, you know you like you work quite fast would this speed things up i mean is this something that's been missing from your life all this time yeah this is like fantastic isn't it this is like one of these yeah dream tools um uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna grab it real soon. I think that's uh, I think I can see lots of uses for it. Um, I'm and it looks like you could do some dead good creative stuff with it as well. I wonder how steep you can make the filters and then run that on a parallel track to the main track that you'd run in and just see what happens. Interesting. I wonder if you, it, I w- that- and I wonder if you can side chain it as well. Side chain it so feed it mm. a different pitch to the one that's coming. So EQ a harmony, if you like. Or is that really wow? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that, that's the kind of thing that this would, I suppose, let you do. I, I really enjoy working on uh, stereo mix downs. You know, where your amount of things that you can do are fairly limited, but like the way the tools are opening that up now, I think it's a really interesting place to to work on the mix down because you can do all sorts of stuff that's much well that's impossible to do from within the mix. You know, so I think anything that you can ah, uh, you know, creative tools on the mix down. That's where that's what I would be trying. Absolutely, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm guessing. Gonna get I'm guessing, PJ, this might be something that uh, that appeals to you as well. I mean, this is just looks like a if you're working all the time, I and mean, this is gonna gonna speed things up significantly because it's some it's, it's quite hard to find. You know, it's easy to find the sweet spot of an EQ for something that's static, but when it's moving around, it's a lot more difficult, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Baselines are definitely definitely tricky animals this this looks like a great tool and and like gaz has been uh elucidating i think it would be really cool for trying some creative creative things i mean getting in there and and seeing like Gaz said how steep can you make the filters and uh it just looks it looks great it looks like it would be a ton of fun i can't wait to i can't wait to try it out uh the chat room uh howie in the chat room is also telling us that uh zebra zebrafy uh will track pitch input and pl- and apply filtering i'm not sure is uh is zebrafy um part of the yuhi suite of things i'm not entirely sure does anyone know that yeah 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 oh it is okay well there's something else to look for there too uh, if one uh, would be interested in that also uh dave spears your um Oops, that's not the shot I wanted. <laughs> that's the shot I wanted. <laughs> Dave Spears. Will you, yes. is something you find, I mean, do you automate the EQ? Is this something that you can find useful? I've done it occasionally. Uh, I did download the demo for this, but I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. But I'm kind of excited. What I wanted to know, I didn't, again, again it's been kind of chaotic here, but I'm really quite interested in this, uh, putting it on everything. No, I'm using a, uh, Wondering if it runs as a MIDI controlled effect, so I can key an input in as well. It That'd has got a key input apparently, so you could run it from something else. But yeah, I mean, if it'll track pitch, I mean, it'll obviously be useful if you could, if you could modify it, because then it would you could actually you could just tune the pitch and, well, and then just get the, get it get it to track the MIDI note rather than having to analyze the fundamental. But I'm sure you can deal with that with some clever logic mapping, couldn't you? Just kind of map an input note to a parameter and then turn it into a controller that would be changing the frequency of an EQ maybe or if you yeah that's, a, that's assuming you had nothing better to do with your life yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> Nick along, along these lines but uh, but a slightly different animal waves has just released an EQ I think I think it's called the HEQ and um, I didn't have time to send the link along but something interesting about that EQ is they've 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 done something that seems like it would have been a no-brainer for EQ in the past so that you don't have to look up a, a spectrographic chart but it has a little keyboard running along underneath the 
frequency spectrum. And so you can choose a fundamental note and then notch or boost that note on the EQ. So if you've got a note that's sort of bothering you in your bass line, basses obviously are notorious for that, where something might pop out, you can just choose it on the keyboard and then notch out that frequency. That's a great idea, nice. actually. That is nice. a good idea. Yeah. And then presumably change the octave and stuff to, to, to get the fundamentals and the extras and the, all of that. Sure. Uh, rather yeah, interestingly, can... um, they also do something called auto-align, uh, which looks pretty interesting, which is takes multi-mic sources. Uh, see if I can zoom that up a bit. Uh, oops, that's probably a bit too zoom. Takes multi uh, phase a uh, phase polarity detection and, and allows you to uh, basically align microphones and separate multi mics, so you can uh, so you can align the signal, so you don't have to worry about phasing, which looks like quite a cool idea as well. Um, I'm not sure how much that is, but um, that's the other product that they make. Um, but yeah, pretty cool. So they look like quite an interesting company. Obviously, doing two, they're both their products doing two interesting things. Uh, but just want to say that again. That is the soundradix.com, uh, and it's called the Surfer EQ because of the surfing of the. Uh, yeah, you know, you get it. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, kind of fun. Oh, um, I put this in. I don't know, Gaz, because you sent a link out, which was um, to a. The, the Nowak, the surfer tank. And I just thought it'd be fun to play because it's such a bonkers thing. Um, let me see if I've got it here. This is, uh, here it is. I think it comes up here. It's what looks like a dumper truck with a load of speakers on the front and some uh, sound making. And somebody's projecting something on it, which makes it look even cooler. Let me see if I can find... That looks absolutely fantastic. There's another one here where he's starting it up, I think. Rather, um, German artist Nick Nowak, um, rather... Um, uh, what's the word? Controversially called it a Panzer. It's like a little sound generation system. Let me move it forward. And what it does is it goes along on its tracks and it just moves, it goes up like that and then it just plays. So you just turn it, it just turns up and you've got a portable sound system, which obviously looks like it's got a massive amount of um, uh, power built in there by the looks of things. Anyway, I just thought that was kind of fun. Gaz, you brought that up. Um, there's really no, uh, there was no need to research it or anything. But uh, Gaz, I, you, you spotted it. So perhaps you'd care to comment first because uh, I sort of sprung that on everybody else a little bit. <laughs> um yeah i thought what was quite cool about it what you didn't see in the video there was that you've got like um all the production tools are in the tank as well so you've got like an M an akai mpc a chaos a chaos pad mixing desk and i think there was something else there a few other bits and bits of kit so you know so a I thought it was quite cool. So it wasn't just like a DJ thing. It was actually a, a little production studio as well. So you can drive it, put it up, and then, uh, you know, make make tunes. <laughs> Brilliant. Good fun. <laughs> I mean, he's done some other... Um, it's got quite a lot of interesting uh, projects. Uh, if I just go to the webpage here, you can see that he's done... He does a lot of sort of installation-type stuff and some really interesting just sort of murals that look just using spaces. It just looks quite like an interesting artiste. Uh, what was the thing up here that looked quite good? That was Oh, yeah, they all seem to be based around this idea of having portable sound systems. There was one that looked absolutely brilliant. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Barren bass. I don't know what it is, but I really like the look of it. <laughs> it wow. obviously makes these kind of things that just 
that just do stuff. And uh, that's just a really exciting looking object. I don't know what it's for. Uh, but anyway, I, as I, again, you know, I did rather sort of springs on anybody. PJ, I expect you probably, because you do quite a lot of installation stuff. This looks like it would be kind of fun to do sound design for, doesn't it? Yeah, that looks that looks fantastic. That last thing you showed, it looks like a piece of one of uh, Mark's motorbikes <laughs> or something. But it's uh, that's that's really that's really cool. Yeah, very wow. nice. I just I don't know what that what they make, might have made those tires. Out. It looks like ah, I see what he's done. He's got inner tubes and he's put banding over it to make it all lumpy and bumpy like that. Really sweet. Anyway, he's called Nick N I C K Nowak N O W A K. Really, uh, just threw that in for no other reason than uh, than it was cool. Uh, and here's uh, Nick, yeah, yes, I've got the perfect application for this thing. Ah, okay. The circus. You roll it out into the middle of a three-ring circus, and it opens up, and thirty-five clowns emerge. <laughs> <laughs> and then the doors fall off, triggered by exactly. massive sub bass. A great idea. And all the while, it's blasting some kind of serious dance music out of those. 10 million drivers that are attached to the outside of the thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's got to it's be boom. Pronounce no whack, says Harry in the chat room. I figured it possibly was and then forgot to actually. Uh, yeah. And uh, there's some great, there were some great comments in the, in the, uh, the chat room here. Actually, if I show you those, uh, I'm pretty sure that Shane King says, I'm pretty sure that someone outside my girlfriend's place has one of these. Uh, they like to share the music at all hours of the night. Uh, as you had basically an over the top chav wagon. Uh, well, probably the less said about that, the better. But anyway, um, so let's go on to the next topic, which I think is. Uh, oh, no, actually, I suppose we could do an ad because we're halfway through and it's about time I did. So I'm just going to do that. I want to say thank you very much to uh, Yamaha for their continued sponsoring the show. As you, those familiar with the podcast will know that we are telling you about their marvelous pocket track recorders, uh, the W24 and C24. C24 is quite possibly the smallest recorder weighing in just 57 grams i can't believe how that's like a pile of plectrums uh the w24 also features uh remote control so you can stick it up at the back of a gig and control it maybe from the stage or from the sound desk without getting on a chair it's got xy mags uh, mics it's got uh micro sd cards uh, up to 38 hours of pcm recording superior battery life ultra handy wireless control uh comes with cubase ai so what you should do is basically get down to uh head down to a yamaha store if you're in the uk you can find one of those at yamaha poll yamaha download.com yamaha civ.com they'll check they'll be able to show you where the sort of larger yamaha stores is going don't take some memory down there record some stuff take it home listen to it see what you think and also if you're in the us just find one of the larger dealers and check them out the Yamaha C24 and W24 Pocket Track Recorders. We heartily recommend you do check them out. Anyway, so let's take a look at our next topic. Uh, I know uh, some of you may have had trouble finding this because this was basically uh, on Synthtopia. It says, what's your worst disaster? And Synthtopia had a bit of a disaster of itself earlier. I think the, something happened with their routing and every every page went to a sort of a, uh, a kind of... Um, uh, what am I trying to do here? That's what I'm trying to do. Went to a sort of a, play, a GoDaddy holding page. So um, this is just basically sharing the worst synth disasters that could po- that possibly ever happen. I've got a couple actually. My first one. Um, I'm just trying to think. The first. I, I might have told this story. It wasn't really synth disaster, but uh, I it was my first proper production gig. I got hired uh, by uh, a producer to go and work in a studio in Bath, 
And he he phoned me while I was away for the weekend. He phoned me and said, oh, you know, can I come and meet you at your place on Sunday night? I was coming back from like a party weekend. And I met him outside my house. We walked into the house. And as I went in and I looked up, and the ceiling had been leaking and all my gear was full of water. I, had, I was using a 244 uh, port studio and that was all full of water. I had to empty it all out. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a disaster then. But there are others, I'm sure. I'm suggest- I, I'm I'm expecting that Dave probably has numerous synth type disasters, and I'm thinking along the lines of that sort of disaster. You know, the kind of broken, horrible, messy. Oh no! Well, look what's happened to my synthesizer thing. Rather than being scammed. Um, so, Dave, have you got any news on synth disasters? I mean, you have having so many of them. Um. No, unfortunately, I haven't, because I used to have to really, really look after other people's synthesizers when I worked for them as bands. Although there was a, I think the most common one, and I know I'm guilty of it at least once. 240 and 110? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just purely by mistake, and you've got that little plume of smoke come out of the keyboard, and you think... I'll just walk the other way for a second and get myself together. Uh, that happened a couple of times. I think my the worst one that I heard of really was, for me, was Chris, who had done a load of programming for the Korg Wave Station and hadn't written it to a card. And I think just as he put the card in, he, he got some really spurious message on the... And that really was like wallpaper through the letterbox. I think that might have been the Wave Station SR. It basically dumped about three weeks' worth of work and uh, he couldn't get it back. Actually, that reminds me of a story I did. I used to... Uh, a friend of mine... Well, Andy Davis, who's uh, played with, who, who was playing with Tears of Fears at the time, uh, he was always on tour. And uh, he... When he was on tour, I used to get, I used to know some other people who shared a house with him, and I used to go into his studio and sort of mess about with his DX7 and you know what have you, and I wiped all the patches um, off his DX7, um, which were including stuff, the songs he was writing and about to go out and play his own stuff, and I had to that that was uh, he hired me after that actually as a programmer, so <laughs> in some way it actually worked, but I want to apologise now, Andy, if you ever see this or listen, well you know I did come in and apologise, I actually had to because everybody was saying oh he's in a real piss because he's quite a sort of enigmatic fellow you know he's sort of someone you think it might be annoyed most of the time he's got that kind of slightly uh, gruff appearance and so i was probably about 19 and i had to i had to go around to his house and just come clean and say i'm really sorry and uh, and so anyway i just want to say sorry for that again i'm even <laughs> feeling slightly scared just thinking about it now uh, Red walks in the chat room says, "I did him. You did him a favour." <laughs> I think that's a bit harsh. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did move around some sounds. It wasn't a disaster for me, but it would have been a disaster for Billy Idol or Billy Idol's keyboard player. I did, I did borrow a keyboard from him when we had our own little disaster of keyboards not turning up at a festival, and I moved some sounds around so that it fitted with the program changes on our rig as opposed to his. Ah. And I knew that as they took the stage, there was probably going to be some difficulties, so I left. Oh, you swine. <laughs> <laughs> Quite funny, though. I, uh, if it was in the 80s, Billy probably wouldn't have noticed, uh, but I imagine everybody else in the band did. Yeah. Rich, I'm guessing that um, your long history with synthesizers, going way back to, uh, to being a synthesizer sort of dealer, must yield a few tales that you could care to share with us. That... Names with hell to protect the innocent, of course. Well, um, one involves uh, the Synclavier. I'd been uh, working for Nile Rogers, but maybe a couple of weeks when we picked up all 
you know, whatever, 1,500 pounds of the thing in 10 road cases and shipped it to California and uh, began to work on the movie Coming to America. And it was a grueling ritual of uh, 16 to 18 hour days, seven of them a week, weeks on end. And somewhere in the midst of this, there was a very, very severe power incident. On the, We were on the Paramount lot, literally right next to where they were shooting the movie. We were going to Paramount every day to work in a studio that they had built for us to do this in. Right. And at one point, the entire lot had a very severe power incident where the power went down, came back on in a huge way, and then went down again. Oh. And... Uh, we were in record at the time. Oh. <laughs> um, and the Synclavier was completely toast. And we were making this movie, you know, we were writing this movie into the Synclavier. So things completely came to a standstill <sighs> at that moment. And my entire life became about getting this thing working again that I had only just begun to start operating in the past few weeks. Oh, man. So and you know, there's an entire multi-million-dollar movie project riding on the fact that this thing better work, um, or you know, or certainly my boss's credibility within that structure. So, wow, uh, that was Ooh. one uh, pretty severe nightmare. And uh, I did get a New England digital guy over fairly quickly, and I don't think we were down 24 hours. Did the day was the day all right? That's amazing. Uh, I don't think we were down for twenty four hours. Wow. Maybe I remember that, but I, we can't have been down for very long. So I did succeed in getting New England Digital's people, service people, there almost immediately, and uh, beginning to work on the problem and the inevitable uh, Synclavier power supply nightmares ensued, which were a regular every so often. I mean, I don't know, six, eight months, you'd find yourself needing to have some kind of power supply replaced in that thing. Oh, ouch. That's um, anyway. That's what, you'd, that's what you expect in a quarter million dollar piece of gear, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? No, yeah, absolutely. Don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> and as it happens, that they all the, turn uh, around and look at you, Rich. Yeah. That, the 16 megabyte RAM card that they sell for $16,000. Well, I'm glad it worked out because obviously it didn't affect your ability to work, at least. Uh, there are a lot. Uh, oh, uh, Red Walk's in the chat room. This is a good one. Uh, um, <clears throat> let me see. So, uh, somebody went out for a, ch- a short uh, out, out for his studio, leaving the gear. When he coming back, he saw lightning hitting his studio. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing that might be all right. Toasting all his gear. Oh, you mean the pale place for all day. Uh, there's this one here, which is uh, Pat posted on the comments on the Synthtopia story. Uh, says, Patrick, once I thought it might be fun to take acid before a show. Then as it was coming on, the band before us was jumping up and down so hard on a homemade stage. My whole keyboard setup, EPS, uh, MS-20, SH-1, SH-1, all patched together, fell to the floor of the four-foot-high stage. I managed to rearrange and patch it all using a cigarette lighter to see by. The first five minutes or so, everything <laughs> sounded backwards until I saw out the patching i survived and so did all the keyboards it was one hell of a night <laughs> that's a cracking st- can you imagine anything worse because i mean and then t- i woke up on the floor in my parents basement yeah naked and chained to a post yeah that is uh wow 
Yeah, that, that's terrible. I've never had a lightning incident. I, I don't know if anyone else has. Gaz, you must have. I'm, I'm suspecting you've probably got like a book written for this kind of stuff. Well, I was thinking almost of the opposite in a way. And I was thinking of a gig uh, we were playing in my band Rocket Gold Star. And uh, the keyboard player was using a Yamaha DJX. Do you know those oh, yeah, things? I've got like kind of, I have yeah. indeed got a DJX. The, the Mark One has to be the Mark One, which yeah. is like a kind of... I sampled, toy. I sampled all the sounds and they're all over Black Cherry for the golf rap album. I use them everywhere. I yeah. didn't know the <laughs> this, that was a cool that was a cool that was a cool keyboard that was. Um you know, for a you know, like a home keyboard type thing. Mm. But um but we were using it because it was just cheap and easy. But the problem was if it the power went on if the power went off and went back on again, it would just launch. As soon as you press play, it would just launch into this sort of um, <laughs> kind of uh, nasty, nasty tune. You know, uh, in order to in order to make it work as a keyboard, you have to sort of you know every single time you turn it on, you have to kind of go through this kind of process of making sure that all the autoplay side of things are turned off. Now, unfortunately, the power went off on the stage and came back on, and this horrible big techno tune just kind of cut out through the pier. Frank was so angry that this happened that he booted the he booted it. He booted it. And it went flying. And it went flying off the stage. And the stage was quite high. And it came and it landed sort of like all the controller side down. Bang! Bouncing all across the, the place. And of course. The crowd went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And why wouldn't it be? I yeah, remember. I remember. So, when, I, well, I think I've got the DJX, the little square box. You know, the uh, the box thing with the little wiki, wiki, wiki kind of CD on it. And I remember seeing because I, I not the keyboard didn't have the keyboard version. I, I you couldn't get the keyboard version. That's a bit of a classic, actually. The the Mark One. I I reckon they they put good sounds in it for what it was. You know, I mean, this was up against sort of like the kind of you know built-in speakers, home keyboard around the sort of. 150 pound mark or something but it was a cool a cool it had some, also I, I digress it had some really wicked um real-time filter effects there was it had two parameter fi- so you could filter there were all sorts of uh, real-time effects you could process i only wish that you could do it real-time across an input that would be a great circuit bend for one of those things because it actually was really really good yeah. yeah, and only for like fifty quid or something. I loved it so much. I mean, because I, I think I bought it because I was just so blown away. But I saw it at Music Messer, and I didn't realise this at the time. But Yamaha had been very crafty. What they did is they put them, they put them all on tables all round. It was one of the first Music Messers I'd been to, and they had this table with this um, uh, cloth over it, and obviously underneath the table. So you had to listen on headphones, but underneath the table were massive subwoofers. So you were listening on headphones thinking, God, this sounds fantastic. And it was just like, <laughs> but it was the subwoofer under the table. But it did sound really good nonetheless. But uh, anyway, that's beside the point. PJ, I have a suspicion yes, that there may be some one or two tales in your, in, your, uh, in your back cupboard there that you're willing to share with us. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I've mentioned on earlier episodes of the show that I've witnessed some spectacular power supply blowouts. Um, oh, yeah. I was in a Flames. studio once using <laughs> uh, <laughs> using um, an MC505 to program uh, a drum part, and the power supply on the thing blew out, and the flames shot out of the back of the thing. Wow. Sparks, but almost flames, just and smoke and it was very dramatic, and it almost uh, set somebody's clothing on fire. It was wow. it was really pretty. <laughs> it was really, really, really spectacular. This this little tiny box that produced such a dramatic you know blowout. But I think um, 
probably one of the most debilitating to me was um, I was hired just out of college to return to the campus where I went to school and play a private party. Um, and there was a guy who was attending this party, and I, I don't for the life of me remember his name. I'm not even sure that I ever knew it. I just know that he went by the handle Texas because he would always show up at parties with his big cowboy boots and a, and a gigantic hat on his head. And he was the kind of guy that was already had had way too many by the time he showed up to the party. And I, I kept telling – Life and soul. <laughs> yeah, I kept telling those that kind of ran the, ran the show to, to watch out for him because he was notorious for – getting very sloppy and I was playing a Corgo 1W Pro X which anybody that knows that keyboard knows that it has a, a basically a buffet table on the back end yeah, of it. Big. You can you can set chips and beers and anything you want and I'm sitting there playing and the room is very crowded and people are kind of kind of getting into it and uh I see him come stumbling across the room with a beer and I'm thinking oh no oh no and he, he comes. Com- you know he comes and stands right in front of me red-eyed, bleary-eyed, and then proceeds to set his beer right down on the back of my keyboard and then knock it over. And it went right down into the keyboard and shorted out everything. LCD screen goes down. Everything goes down. My um, friends and I take that board and lift it up back end and beer comes pouring out the out- <laughs> the inputs and the outputs. Yeah, Yikes. So no, yeah, no good. Oh, that's rough, man. Uh, we have the, the, there's a great beer story, isn't there? The uh, isn't that the one where uh, the, like the, the after show, the the uh, analog fraternity at uh, Music Mesa, you know, they always get together and they always seem to, you know, they they drink a lot and have a bit of fun as you do at trade shows. I mean, that's what happens. And uh, there's the classic story of Mr. Ken Macbeth um, pouring a pint of beer into a Buchla 200E. Um, oh. I mean, not pouring it, obviously, having an accident where, where beer was uh, involved and everybody's wincing. It's like, yikes. Anyway, you were with well, me I when I asked him. When I asked him, what did you do? And he just said, walked away. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> did, uh, I, I, did Chris tell you the story about the Emerson one with the organ? I'm not sure. He was on here? Maybe when he, not. Was, he was touring with Keith Emerson. It's not a synth, but it's an organ story, and it's very funny, very quickly. Uh he was touring with Keith Emerson, and I think Keith had kind of said, oh, "I'm getting a bit old. Could you help me when I wrestle the Hammond around the, the you know the stage? Could you uh, maybe take a few things out and whatnot? I don't know. Make it lighter, basically." So Chris went to the local supermarket and uh, borrowed a shopping trolley and took the wheels off a bit and put it put the wheels on the bottom. But he didn't tell Keith about this. So when Keith went to throw it across the stage, it went all the way across the stage and <laughs> into the audience. Oh God! Made this horrendous noise. Yeah, but that was very theatrical, mine. <laughs> that that could be a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can you imagine the look on his face as that thing took off. <laughs> anyway, it was a great story on Synthtopia. I'm glad to see he's back on track because, as I said earlier, it was a little bit. Uh, there was some issues with um, uh, with some redirects going on. So. Uh, Good for you. So thanks, thanks to James for some synthtopia for that. Um, I'm guessing at this. Yes, PJ. I just wanted to mention the other day we were we were pulling old synthesizers out of um, out of a garage in in which we had them in storage. My my writing partner and I. Oh yeah. And I had my old Juno 106. We we found a, a D50, an S50 sampler, an old Yamaha DX2 Gray Matter, all of these old synths from the 80s, and then my 
my Juno 106, which I hadn't looked at for a long time. And uh, I had used this in a gig uh, in the late 90s or early part of last decade. I was in a punk band that went by a scatological handle. And um, one of the members of the group um, at a gig at First Avenue here in Minneapolis decided to cover himself in chocolate pudding for the gig and was dancing dervishly around the stage while playing his guitar and covered everything in chocolate pudding, <laughs> including the, the control surface on my, on my Juno. And uh, I had spent hours after that gig trying to remove chocolate pudding from everything, from, from all the levers, from all the sliders oh. and pan pots and things on that. And I, and I pulled it out the other day and noticed that I had <laughs> missed, <laughs> missed a bit. Spots. Yeah. Was it still tasty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got a Juno 106 in the corner that uh, needs. In fact, I pulled up a uh, Novation K station, KS4, because I was thinking of getting rid of it because I don't really use it anymore. And uh, I've got to replace a couple of pots on there, but uh, it hasn't been used for years. So I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm probably going to sell that at some point in the future, raising money to uh, to pay for my expensive habits elsewhere. But um, anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, lots of chat in the chat room. There's all sorts of stories there. Um, about data loss, terrifying, which means, you know, back up, folks. Just remember to back up. Please, <laughs> please, please back up. Right, let's have a look here. Um, uh, oh, actually, I, I, I'm looking at this uh, create generative art idea, and um, I'm wondering, did we, have we sort of covered this before, the limitations? And I was, I was, because it's Thanksgiving week last week, uh, we... There aren't so many stories out there, okay? basically because there's you know, two or three days of non-posting, so I didn't manage to pick up a whole bunch of stuff. But we can still do, take a look at the generative art idea if, if you still want to. Um, entirely yeah. up to you. Okay, right. Well, I'll just play a little bit. I get this. I have to do it like this because it, it's, it's not a downloadable video. It's a PBS video. So let me, have a look. let me see. So if I start... This is basically several artists who uh, work in a generative form. And the way that they sort, they, they, they talk about it is... So generative art is a practice where basically you surrender control over some aspect of what's going down to a process, right? So now I just have to come up with a really amazing way to take that information and, and visualize it or turn it into music. This century is the century of data. That's going to be the defining thing. Last century was a century of electricity. What I'm really doing is essentially portraiture, right? I'm looking at America, and I'm looking at our culture, and I'm looking at the data of our culture and trying to make sense of it. So like the last big string quartet that I did was a piece called Hard Data, where I took the casualty stream of the Iraq War and turned it into a six-movement string quartet. So there's That one's... Uh... A very interesting idea. There's also another one, uh, which is this. This is kind of fascinating. This is uh, Scott. Computer as your slave. You know, it does what you tell it to. But for me, that's not very exciting because you tell it to do X and then it does X. And there's no surprise. There's no there's no punchline. In its simplest form, the electric sheep is a screensaver. There are about 450,000 users. And when you're not using your computer, it connects to the network and thereby to all the other users. All those computers work together as a supercomputer to render these animations. As everybody is watching their screensaver, you can interact with it and respond to it. And it uses thumbs up for life and thumbs down for death. And the images that are more popular mate with each other. 
I won't um, play all of it, but I just thought it was quite an interesting idea. And um, I know that we've also been asked by a lot of people uh, to to come up with maybe some other challenge, musical challenges because um, the the, the uh, theme tune competition was really – a lot of people really enjoyed that. And I was wondering whether or not we might be able to come up with something based on a generative idea, essentially making some kind of a challenge based on – a data set or something that we could take, say, you, it has to do this. And I, I, I thought that might be something open for discussion. I don't know. I mean, it, and I didn't really realise that there was a whole genre of music sort of based around, uh, what did they call it? They got generative art. I mean, I suppose it's the same for music. Dave, you're looking poncive there. Is your video frozen or are you uh, no. thinking of something really fabulous to say? Ah, oh, yes, there you are. No, um, I, I kind of didn't want to like this subject at all. <laughs> There was something a bit up one's backside about it. But actually, I found it really fascinating. My only experience with generative music has been like things like Cohen Pro. But there was no real harmonic, you know, proper harmonic structure. And there was another thing called mirror music years and years ago, going back to the kind of Atari days. And that was really uh, just really dull. But I I like I love the idea of giving it certain criteria. Mm. And allowing it to generate, and and a lot of these examples on his actually seem to be uh, musical and and did have some kind of structure to them, which I liked. Well, it was as opposed to it being completely random, you know. The uh, the first uh, Luc Dubois, the generative composer, um, he was using the statistics to ju- you know. So there was a certain number of casualties. I mean, it's a grim subject, mm. but quite an interesting process. A certain number of casualties, which means there was X per day, X per month, which meant there had to, each movement had a certain number of notes, which means so. It, 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 what it did is it, it set the parameters very very tightly for what he yeah. would then work around, which I thought was quite an interesting idea. It was um, that point that, that where it grabbed me actually, and the fact that he was saying about you know this year, uh, this decade is the decade, or this century is the century of data, as opposed to last being the, uh, the one of electricity. And it was another interesting point. He said one quote that was uh, using uh, software that you usually use for your taxes to generate musical inspiration. So I'm guessing spreadsheets to work out and graph all of those, all of that data. That's just quite an interesting thing. Um, I'm not sure where this topic could possibly lead. I'm guessing, PJ, you might have had briefs that are very tightly that combined with specific um, data sets or parameters that are perhaps not strictly musical because you work with uh, you or have worked with installations quite a lot. I'm guessing that there might be some mileage in, in that from you. At least that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't specifically been briefed to do anything generative, but I have definitely experimented with these ideas on both the visual and the auditory level. And uh, two things that struck me watching this: um, I was part of a uh, a project in the late 1990s called Ziggurat. We were a visual art project that was essentially generative in the same way that they were working here. We were doing something very similar kind of combining an analog process with the with the computer so we had two computers set up they were mac macintosh quadras um that were set up in the corner of a room and visual artists and the public to some degree were invited to use a very simple photo manipulation program so we would we would start with one uh, image as a baseline image and then over the course of a specified number of days we we started you know, with three-day periods, then we'd go to a week, then two, then a month. Um, we the, People would come in and add to the visual image uh, either improvised additions if, if they didn't 
you know, know what they wanted to do or they'd sit down and plan some addition to the image. And then what you could do at the end of that period is you could go back and, and reiterate through all of the different iterations of, of what had happened over the course of that length of period of time and create a video file from it. So it was really interesting animations would so it's would kind of like of stop frame in, almost, in, but, but yeah, with, it's, with, it's, but with it's no exactly overall like direction. That. I mean, not not intrinsically. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And so what you'd wind up with um, in in the you know in these cases were something that were often similar to these kind of screensaver ideas that you're seeing, um, but maybe had had a little more painterly kind of effect to them. And then you would see something take shape towards the end of the process, you know, however long the video would run, um, you know, be it a couple of seconds or several minutes, and then you would see it uh, form into the original image, whatever that happened to be. And sometimes that was something that was sourced, you know, either from the web or from a photograph, or it was something that was created specifically for the project by one of the visual artists. Hmm. So on, on a visual level, we, we were doing that kind of thing. In terms of music, I've just been getting into... Um, heavily into reactor and there's a wonderful ensemble that i'm sure a lot of our listeners are are familiar with called new school in reactor which is a generative processor and what it is is it's based on um a mathematical algorithm apparently created by a mathematician in 1970 named john conway i believe is his name and he created a an algorithm called life or the game of life and there's rules to this algorithm so you you start with a with an image that's based around pixels and he calls the pixels cells and then given i don't remember all of the rules specifically but given how many pixels are on the screen and adjacent to each other there are rules for how long they'll actually live so they live and die they'll they'll evolve over time or they'll reproduce and it's based on certain life processes like overcrowding starvation population density that that kind of thing and so there are actual you can start with a seed image he calls it and it and depending on the shape of the seed image it will have, uh the entire process will run a course so it's like an ecosystem and then that uh image as it evolves drives uh a synthesizer a drum machine and some effects processors and then you can find aspects of the life cycle of any given image some are very long some are short and you can loop within them and create you know very specific musical structures so at first it can sound very random but you can kind of go into this chaos and find order and then create little musical structures based on portions of the life cycle of these images and i find it really really inspiring especially because then you can you know you can look and see how the image is actually affecting the synth parameters and the drum machine parameters and the effects parameters and have a lot of control over that so you you know the output is is eminently controllable, and I'm I'm just having a ton of fun playing around with that in my spare time. It's a total time sucker, but I can see it. <laughs> I can uh, imagine it must ab- be absolutely, you know, uh, being very, very inspirational. Well, it's certainly, certainly, no, certainly no, uh, no more time consuming than playing a video game, and at least you might be able to get something out of it. I don't know, Rich. I noticed you have some some comments in the uh, in the chat room there about uh, remember the good old days when we used to think come up with melodies and harmonize them. <laughs> just like, so I'm guessing. <laughs> well, you know. There's there's a guy on one shoulder who's saying that I I was like Dave in that I initially didn't want to like this, and yet there was some aspects of it that are compelling to me. And what isn't compelling to me is the bit about well, remember the days when we used to dream up melodies and harmonize them, 
And what is compelling to me is that any kind of process-driven art where it yields a result that is interesting for more than one listening is fine with me, or even if one listening. I mean, it's all good. Whatever motivates you, it's fine with me. And on some level, I don't mind it on that level. But somewhat humorously, I like to reminisce about the old days when we actually wrote songs. But it's, it's very interesting you should say that, because in my opinion, um, a lot of modern art, I mean, outside of music, is all about how, how well you can talk it up. I did a project some time back uh, over at Real World, the Peter Gabriel Explorer and Eve, and they were projects involving a lot of contemporary artists. And part of my job was to... Uh, go through interviews with those people who were talking about particular pieces of art and we made little stand clips and what have you that would accompany the imagery that went along with the art. And it struck me that, you know, you could look at the art and it was like, yeah, that's interesting, like for maybe one view. But what made it more interesting was the process and them talking about the process. And this is kind of, this is kind of moving into that area, isn't it? It's applying well, that. It's the, it's the opposite of the ends justify the means. It's the means justify the ends. Yes, I suppose so. I suppose that's true. It's, uh, but it's it's an interesting kind of yeah. theory. I don't know. But I, another way of looking at it as well is that is that if if it yields an interesting result, as as Rich says, and that and that really for me too is the bottom line. It, I mean, engaging in the process is really fun, and I think we can all agree on some philosophical level that you know on on one level that's why we're all engaged in music. It's a process, and there's a number of of. Uh, you know, end results that happen over the course of your entire lifetime creating music that never will be seen or heard of, you know, heard from by other people. Mm. It's just, it's just part of the process. And so in that case, it's a generative, you know, endeavor. But when you look at processes like this, it's just a way of, in, in a small way of collaborating with your tools, you know, of, of actually having a real collaboration mm. with your yeah, tools. Yeah, I, I guess. Agreed. I, Agreed. I, I yeah. think the thing that's quite interesting about this also is the fact that it's, uh, again, it's it, it it's down to uh, the idea of the process being 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 the key. I mean, we've all we know we've hell we've laughed about a, about a number of them on on this podcast when I show something and there's a process and people go and just go well yeah okay so you this you've got all this process but the end result is sucks frankly you know and so the process has to it's okay for the process to be a grand portion of it but it also has to support the product at the end of it because if the product just sucks and is useless then the process is of no interest whatsoever to me anyway, I guess. I know Gaz, you're grinning away there. I'm, I'm wondering if you have, uh, I mean, cause you're more, you're, you're about the idea and the song as far as I, I know, at least I'm, I'm making a grand supposition there. I mean, does this, do, does this sort of thing interest you at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember playing as Dave was mentioning earlier with Cohen when that was, uh, when that was new, what was that about late nineties, maybe mid nineties. Um, yeah. And I've had lots of fun with Ableton Live using some of the kind of um, uh, using some of the uh, arpeggiators and some of the chord generators, and then some kind of uh, a fairly random way of working where tracks are feeding into tracks, are feeding into tracks, are feeding into tracks. And so I, I feel the actual music coming out, my connection with it is very kind of strange you know in that i've effectively set up some rules but you know so you just press and i, I used to do it as a demonstration and just use the uh the qwerty keyboard and ableton live you can enable that to be the musical keyboard and and then just just by pressing a single key it generates 
all kinds of sort of music. Uh, it's really interesting, sort of, um, you know, so for instance, you hold down a key, it's actually triggering maybe uh, 10 different arpeggios, but some of the arpeggios only complete their cycle in like 16 bars or something, you know, and then other ones are, you know, so, and then they all feed different uh, orchestral sounds. Well, so, I mean, in some ways, what the, that supports what the thesis of this, as far as I can tell, is that, that it's curating there's a curation aspect to you know these processes yeah you have to make qualitative decisions to uh make the end meaningful and tweak it and and deal with that there's some great ones in the chat room i just wanted to uh quickly run that one you can get a degree in howie howie i'm guessing that's how it's going in the chat room you can get a degree in playing wrong notes that spinal tap about jazz i, t- I just thought that was, i'd throw that in because i quite enjoyed that one but i i think this it's in it is interesting and i think um it will always be. I mean, we're we're essentially kind of getting at that thing. It's the same reason why people point and laugh at uh, the pile of bricks in the Tate that sold for however many hundreds of thousands, or Tracy Emin's unmade bed. You know, it's sort of it seems like, well, what's that all about then? You know, do you know what I mean? But she can talk it well, and I'm guessing the per- I can't remember who it was who did the pile of bricks in the Tate, but that was caused a massive public outcry, didn't it? Because it was purchased. Um, for the British Museum or something. I forget now, but uh, anyway, that, I, I am really getting a bit off topic here to a, a great degree. You know, it's, it's interesting that you bring up that, that Howie brings up jazz because jazz in, in and of itself is kind of a generative art form. I mean, music in general is, but uh, in, in real time generative art form. So you've got this music that's been generated over years where you've cre- you create very specific structures into which you'll pour uh, uh, an improviser's individual language along with what he knows from other improvisers' individual languages and then that evolves over time right. and influences and creates, you know, creates different structures and it evolved eventually into one iteration of jazz which you know, is exemplified by some of the stuff that Coltrane and, and, and others did in the late 60s which was very free and so now you get people that want to do that and they say that's great music but generally speaking it was probably only good <laughs> once when you were know, there twice yeah. yeah you know once or twice you know back back in the late 60s because it's more about the process and it's more about the musical habits of those specific you know individuals and so like everybody's saying it's it's so much better when you can sort of curate or apl- apply a, a construct and then pour some some chaos into that you know so that you so that you generate an, an interesting result you mm. need a container for the chaos well said pj thank you very much um I, i'm not sure how much more there is to add to this but i just thought it was an interesting thing to explore but that, that's it's a great channel actually if you go to uh, it's pbs arts on vimeo and there's a whole bunch of interesting uh, stuff there um I, I will keep an eye on that uh, and that one is called a generative off book. It's the off book series, generative art, computers, data, and humanity. Um, right. Um, I think there's perhaps room for one last thing. And this is, uh, again, a web based, uh, jolly. So let me just, uh, we'll start with this. I think I'll just play it. This is in fact, um, a chap called John Leghorn who has chosen to uh, recreate Hulse the planets. He's got three movements. He's done Mars, Mercury and Jupiter. He's got uh, five more to go because there's uh, Venus, uh, Saturn, Uranus, of course, which I'm really much looking forward to, and Neptune. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you couldn't resist that, PJ. (laughs) 
Mike Leghorn, yes, Foghorn's brother. That's very unkind. Anyway, but but Mike has agreed to do an interview, so I'm hoping to talk to him about the process and the idea of doing this and, uh, you know, what he's been using and how the challenges that were set. But I will cease to play that now and come back here. I know, um, it's stri- I'm, actually, the first thing about this that really kind of blew my mind was... Why aren't more people doing this? I mean, it seems like now we've got all this amazing sound design stuff, all these sort of brilliant tunes and, and quite difficult uh, arrangements, or, or maybe not difficult, difficult to me because I'm not classically trained. This seems such an... I, I'm not seeing... You know, I mean, I remember obviously Tomito and uh, Switched On Bark and a few other bits and pieces, but I don't remember very much... I don't, I'm not aware of much. I suppose... Um, oh, what was it? William Orbit, Pieces in a Classical Style, which was massive. I mean, absolutely massive. I know... Um, Dave, you're a synthesist. Did this? Uh, did uh, what did you think? Inventive. I mean, it's kind of an interesting challenge, don't you think? Did, yeah, I did. Uh, I was kind of uh, yeah. I was torn, really. I really was. I kind of I love it, as you well know that you know when Will Gregory did that bark thing that that really kind of blew me away. Not, but probably because it was kind of very happy and everyone walked away from this gig grinning. And I I can't. I really did like this. It was kind of on a kitsch level, if you get what I mean. There was so many of the sounds were kind of cheesy, and some were great. And I'm not saying that you know they were none of. I'm not saying any of them were bad. It was just really strange. I couldn't kind of I couldn't merge the two sides. This kind of kitsch side and this kind of cool side. It was very uh, it was strange. Strange. Some of the sounds, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. Some of the sounds were kind like, of wow, like, great. And some of them quite, were a bit like, what? What do you use that for? It didn't quite make yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great I great idea. I, and like you said, you know. I, I mean, think, a, hell of a, a hell of an undertaking, frankly. <laughs> can, I, yeah. can I jump in? Yes, please. Can do. I jump please. in? Please. Uh, the Tomita one is amazing. Tomita makes things sound like synthesizers, but they make them sound like the most amazing thing. The sounds Tamita uses, I don't know if I'm in the minority here, but for me, it was amazing. And I love his version of the planets. I mean, yeah, I'm sure yeah, everyone yeah. Knows, knows that. I but didn't the, really. So Tamita did the planets as well, right? Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, and uh, uh, I, it, it's just that thing. I, isn't, isn't it great, though, when you hear classical music played by synthesizers that sound like synthesizers? You know, I yes, I, I, I agree, rather than just sort of emulating it. I mean, it sounded like there was a bit of emulation in there as well with some of the sounds. But, I mean, and the, the thing that I quite like about it is as well, you know, there's 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 a, uh, you know, there's there's the waveform is dynamic. You know, <laughs> there's actually dynamic changes. And I'd be, I'm really interested to know how he approached this in terms of tempo changes and all of that. I think it'd be quite an interest because it must be quite a difficult uh, thing to do. I mean, I'm guessing because I haven't really ever tried to do anything like this. You know, I stick to dance remixes where if the tempo fluctuates, I'm a grumpy man because I have to work it all out and map it or get it in time or it used to be. I suppose it's not so much of a difficult thing now. Uh, I don't know, um, uh, PJ. I'm guessing you you do kind of orchestration stuff. I mean, what do you think? Is it, is it is it surprising more people don't, or is it just that there aren't that many people who know how to do this kind of thing? I'm not sure. Um, I, I can't wait to go check out the Tamita version of the Planets. I've, I've never I've never heard it. Um, I'm not sure why more people don't do this. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Um, I I agree with the other opinions levied against it, but I thought it was fantastic um, in that 
uh, this is, uh, you know, like many people, I'm sure, one of my very favorite suites of music. Yeah, I, I remember great, going great. as a child to the public library over and over again and, and renting the, the eight-track cassettes of this and playing it at home ad nauseum. And uh, just really, really great to listen to. And in terms of how I might approach doing something like this in, in, in the modern world, in, inside of a DAW, if you were going to use a DAW, to, to as as the brain for this for sequencing, um, I'd start with a score editor and actually just score out all the parts and then convert those parts to MIDI. And in most modern DAWs, there's a lot of ways where uh, you can actually you could actually do it inside of a program like Sibelius, really, um, where all of your score markings and things are are actu- actually converted into. Uh, into control messages. I wonder if you could download a MIDI file of this anyway, you know, just to sort of get you started. I mean, that'd be an interesting idea. I mean, that, and that actually, that brings me to another idea rather than the, maybe the data set, pick a piece of classical music that our listeners would have to interpret in some way. So we get, you know, like a short, a short motif or theme or movement or whatever, and just kind of go, right. What about that? Give everybody, you know, everybody who wants to take part, You've got bars 1 to 16. Next person has bars 17 to 32. Interesting idea. We'll have to see if we can develop that a bit further. That could, because that could <laughs> certainly work. I know, Rich, you've been quiet. I mean, I know you're classically trained. Um, so I'm guessing this would be a piece of cake for you, right? Oh, I don't know if it's a piece of cake for anybody, but I could do it um, and have done in the past. But, <clears throat> excuse me, regarding the planets specifically, the version I think to this day stands up the best that's electronic. It was by a guy called Patrick Gleason, yeah, who had yeah. previously, Dr. Patrick Gleason, who had previously played in Herbie Hancock's Wandishi band on ARP, and then did a version of The Planets in its entirety on an emu modular. And it is wonderful. Mm, it's fantastic. We're talking about mid-70s here. It's really wondrous. And as for uh, Tomita, I liked Tomita's Debussy quite a bit, his first album. Uh, Really thought it was fantastic. I liked him working on short forms. I'm not as happy with him working on long forms, and I felt his work got much more self-conscious over the time, and it all started to scream, look at me. As, as I was listening to these sounds go flying by, and it seemed, I just really liked his earlier stuff the best. But I do know a ton of people who love it, and I understand why. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Patrick Gleason, Right, I'm going to make a note of that. Patrick Gleason's yeah, version amazing. of The Planets. All right, thank you very it's- much for that, Rich. Great. But there could be an interesting idea. I mean, maybe the chat room could, um, you know, could could give us an indication of whether that sounds like a good challenge. I'm just will, I, I will have to figure out what to pick because I, 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 whether and a prize and a reason to do it and all of those things. I'll have a think about it. And maybe we can come up with something that makes that makes sense to to work that way. So uh, yeah, I like the idea of that. Um, I, I oh, well, I, we're actually at the end of the list. And I forgot to mention that Mac Pro Video are uh, a sponsor, but I'll throw them in now. Uh, obviously, you can uh, access all of these kinds of video. Tu- they do video tutorials on loads of audio software as well as other other software. We're talking Ableton Live, After Effects, uh, Native Instruments, uh, uh, oh, Cubase, Pro Tools, uh, Audio Plugins, Final Cut Pro, IDV. Let's have a look. There's tons of it here. Isotope. Main stage, media composer, media encoder, the, the, yeah, the, the, 
the list goes on and on and on. And if you want to save 20% on any of those downloads, check them out. In fact, Rich mentioned there was a very good uh, Pro Tools 10 uh, that, that they got sorted out quite quickly. So check that out. If you go to sonicstate.com forward slash MPV, that will bounce you over to the Mac Pro Video site and apply the 20% off coupon. So please do go for it if you must. So... um I think that's kind of brought us to the end of the show this week. And I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. A great, had a nice turnout in the chat room. Uh, thank you, everybody, in the, uh, in the Skype-dom. There we are. There we have Rich and Dave there looking, uh, looking sceptical at my words. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so I want to, I'll say goodbye to Dave Spears there first. Uh, Dave Spears, of course, uh, g4software.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Check Thank out you. their software instruments, great software instruments. And uh, they, in fact, if you were listening last week, top 20, a top three or top four, four in the top 20 of the Music <sighs> Radar um, bestest musical vi- software instruments and uh, Amazona.de as well. Well done. Well done. Oh, Dave. that was cool. The Amazona one was really cool because that went like straight in. Oh, forget it. I can't stand all this chart nonsense. Anyway, anyway never mind. Uh, yeah, charts. But- I'm going to pimp something. So hopefully tomorrow we've got something that is really special to us and get your fingers crossed for us, folks, because hopefully we'll get it out. And uh, I think a lot of people will love it. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I am most intrigued. G4software.com. Check them out tomorrow and see what Dave could possibly be talking about. Right. Uh, and we'll say also goodbye to, uh, well, PJ's on the other side there. Goodbye to you, PJ Tracy. Uh, PJTracySound.com. Um, good luck in your new move. I'm guessing you've got a lot of planning and patch bay. Do you have to actually, have you got to build this from scratch or are you occupying something that's uh, that's already kind of partially ready to use? No, it's already partially ready to use, but we're doing a lot of, uh, a lot of retrofitting. So we're buying, buying and patching and, uh, uh reworking and that kind of thing um so right now it's it's functional but uh by the mid or late winter it should be very very functional very nice place okay well i hope it it works out as well as it possibly can do so thank you very much for joining us and also we'll say thank you we'll say thank you to uh rich mr rich hilton uh from hiltonius.com i'll put his third up and then when he speaks he'll pop up into the upper part of the skype window Rich, thank you very much for joining us this week. Hope you've had uh, have a good work week ahead of you, and um, that everything is uh, as it should be. If I go there, then you'll be able to see you. There you are, down there in the bottom. You have to speak to activate the big window. That's the same thing. Very good, Nick. I really enjoyed it as always. Thank you very much. And uh, yes, once again, thanks for thanks for visiting uh, visiting us in person. It was great fun. I'm glad the network Lovely. held up. Looks like our router was what was problem. I don't think we've dropped any packets today, so I'm, hopefully that's great news. And also, I want to say thank you very much to Gaz Williams from songsurgeon.co.uk. Uh, that's you there. Uh, and I've switched to there. Gaz, thank you very much for joining us too. Uh, look forward to seeing you tomorrow where we will film some more iPad episodes, right? Yep, looking forward to it. Thanks. Okay, so uh, that's it for everybody on the show. Um, we'll probably I'll play out with a little more. Let's have a piece of a piece of Jupiter because that seems synthy. And this is again by Mike Head, Mike Leghorn. If you go to um, SoundCloud.com forward slash Mike dash Leghorn, we I'm, I'm trying to set up an interview with him. I think he was up for it. Um, I'm not sure that he's as skyped up as 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 we are. So I'm hoping that we can uh, have a chat and just see how he approaches because it would be fascinating to know. So here I'll be playing us out with a bit of. Mike's interpretation of Holst's Jupiter. You must, you'll probably recognise these tunes. 